This is the Frankly Daniel Show, and yes, I'm the Daniel in the Frankly part of this enterprise. It's my weekly exercise of our First Amendment rights. Thank you for joining me. It's an honor to be here today with you. Today's show is entitled, Wake Up and Protect Your Children. Listen, if you don't have anything nice to say about the gender identity and sexual orientation push by Disney, the National Teachers Unions, and the woke school boards? We'll probably get along just fine today. But before I go a word further, let me stop and thank you for last week's record listenership. The Frankly Daniel Show is growing by leaps, and it's thanks to your listenership and encouragement for others to follow your recommendations, so thank you very much. Last week's show is available on America Out Loud, as are all my shows. And last week's Frankly Daniel Show was entitled, Sally Asks Mommy If She Has Any Boy Body Parts. Sounds ridiculous. Sounds ridiculously outrageous, actually, doesn't it? So, so you ask, how did, how did you come up with that title? I'm troubled to say it. It was from a proposed lesson plan entitled, Pink, Blue, and Purple, produced by a very woke company called Advocates for Youth. Now, this company produced this lesson plan for first graders in response to a New Jersey State Department of Education 2022 mandate that gender identity and sexual orientation concepts must be taught. They must be taught to all school classes starting with starting with the first grade this coming fall. This lesson plan calls for a discussion of the range of ways people express their gender and how gender role stereotypes may limit behavior. Do you think a first grade, a six-year-old knows what a stereotype is? Well, Don't let that get in the way of this story. Here's the learning objectives for this lesson plan. By the end of this lesson, students will be able to define gender, gender identity, and gender role stereotypes. Name at least two things they've been taught about gender role stereotypes and how those things may limit people of all genders. Now here's the sample lesson plan for first graders entitled Purple, Pink, and Blue. I'm going to share with you this plan and another from the same company entitled Understanding Our Bodies. Wait till you hear that one. That, that'll probably make you sit up and, and walk around the kitchen table two or three times backward. So let's take a moment to walk through this lesson plan. Hey, hey I mean, th- this is what's likely going to be taught to your first grader, even if you don't live in New Jersey. That is, unless you live in Florida. So, so pay attention. These folks aren't fooling around. Well, actually, I'm wrong. They, they really are fooling around with the young minds of our children and grandchildren. Now, if you're a primary school teacher or you've talked with your friends who are dedicated kindergarten, first, or second grade teachers, they will, to a person, tell you young children's brains are like sponges, most especially when they think they're being let in on some kind of adult secrets of life. Now, here's the instructions to the teacher from the lesson plan. First, the teacher's to purchase two new baby greeting cards, one of which is very stereotypically gendered for a baby boy and one for a baby girl. 
Now, tell the class that you have a friend who just had a baby. Now, you want to send your friend a card to say congratulations, but you, you can't decide between the two cards, and you need the student's help. Yeah, you need a sixth grader's help to help you pick out one of these cards. Hold up the two greeting cards and ask, which one do you think I should send? Students will likely ask whether the baby is a boy or a girl. You see how that gender identity thing sneaking in here? Ask if it were a baby girl, which card would you tell me to send them? Now, they're going to indicate, of course, the pink card. And if it were a baby boy, which would you tell me to send them? Well, they're going to indicate, what do you think, probably a blue card. Next, ask, why should I send this card to a baby boy and that one to a baby girl? Now, allow me, before I talk through these lesson planners' anticipated possible responses to this question, let me point out that your children are just about to be told how stupid you and their grandparents are about these issues of gender. I, I can hear it now. Mom, boys, boys aren't necessarily boys and girls aren't either, right? So here's the lesson plan's anticipated possible responses to the question, why should I send this card to a baby boy and this one to a baby girl? Because that one has boy things on it and the other one has girl things on it. Oh, blue is for boys and pink is for girls. Oh, I like that one better because I'm a boy. Oh, I like that one better because I'm a girl. Explain that all of what we just talked about, like deciding what colors or toys people can play with, is part of something called gender. That's what we're going to be talking about today, kids. The next instruction to the teacher is to put the sign with the word gender up on the board, or write it if you're using a whiteboard. Ask students to repeat the word with you. Say something like, When we referred to a baby boy or a, a girl baby, we were talking about what gender the baby is. Ask, How do you know what gender you are? Now, responses will vary, but many will include, My family told me. I know because of my body parts. I just don't know. If a student says something like, I just don't know it, or, I feel that way on the inside, explain that knowing what gender you are is called gender identity. Now put that sign that reads gender identity up on the board and ask the students to repeat it with you. Point out that the word identity begins with an I. Say something like, gender identity is that feeling of knowing your gender. You might feel like you're a boy. You might feel like you're a girl. You might feel like you're a boy even if you have body parts that some people might tell you are girl parts. You might feel like you're a girl even if you have body parts that some might tell you are boy parts. And you might not feel like you're a boy or a girl, but you're a little bit of both. So it was at this point, reading this part, that I came up with last week's title to the show, Sally asks Mommy if she has any boy body parts. But back to the lesson plan. Quote, Pretty much anything can be done by anyone, no matter what their gender is. But we're still told only boys should play with certain things and only girls can play with certain things. Now, why do you think that is? 
after a few responses, say something like, telling someone they can only play with or do certain things because of who they are is called a stereotype. When they're told they can only play with or do certain things based on their gender, it's called gender stereotype. Now ask students to repeat both terms with you. Ask, have any of you ever been told you're not supposed to do or play with something because of your gender? If so, how did that make you feel? If not, how do you think someone who really wants to do something but is told they can't because of their gender might feel? After a few responses, say something like, sometimes when a boy does something that's not on the boy list, or when a girl does something that's not on the girl list, they get teased or even bullied. For example, a boy who cries in front of his friends or likes to play dress-up or a girl who likes to climb or play with rocks. The teacher then sums up the lesson plan and says, no matter your gender, you can play with any of these toys. You can wear whatever clothes you want or have long hair or short hair if you want. To be who you are and enjoy playing with whatever toys you enjoy playing with is all part of your gender identity. Now, overall, I can see how on first blush this appears a harmless set of instructions. But it's really indoctrination or grooming young children for further lesson plans that not only normalize different gender identities, but encourage children to explore whether they feel comfortable or more comfortable being one of the unique genders. Where do you think lesson plans like this eventually lead? Well, in many middle and high schools in California, they have school district and individual school policies that promote something called a transition closet. Yeah, a transition closet. These are essentially huge clothing closets set aside in dedicated classrooms that are full of all sorts of cross-dress clothing. Students can ask the school to change their names and pronouns on their official school records. These schools also allow them to change out of the clothes they come to school in, those that they come to school each day in, into whatever style of clothing best suits their true gender identity. They can change back into their original clothing to return home so everything's safe at school. So while at school, they can feel totally comfortable wearing the clothing that best matches their true, and I emphasize true, gender. All of this behavior, of course, is withheld from the parents. I wonder why you would do something like that. Withhold. Anyway, even if the parent gets a notion that something weird is going on at the school, something the school isn't sharing with them, even when questioned by the parent, the school will continue to protect their students' wishes and not tell their parents that their kids are gender transitioning at school. Now, here's an interesting clip of exactly what I'm talking about. My principal just approved our district's first transition closet. We'll be working with the organization The Transition Closet to provide clothes for transgender, non-binary, and gender-exploring youth who maybe don't have the access or the safety to get those clothes uh, in their personal lives. They'll be able to come to school and change the clothes that make them feel more at home and more like themselves. And I just think that's lovely. And, and, and I just think that's lovely? And, and, and you just think that's lovely? Uh, who are you to be thinking anything about helping my child deceive themselves 
and their parents and their grandparents and siblings and and behavior like this is being applauded by you guessed it his fraudulency joe biden you are made in the image of god and deserving of dignity respect and support but we know it's hard when there are those out there who don't see you and don't respect you for example the onslaught of anti-transgender state laws attacking you and your families is simply wrong. This administration is standing up for you against all these hateful bills. And we're committed to advancing transgender equality in the classroom, on the playing field, at work, in our military, in our housing and healthcare systems, everywhere, simply everywhere. Today, we're announcing even more steps, but there's always more work to do to end the epidemic of violence against transgender women of color and girls of color. To parents of transgender children, affirming your child's identity is one of the most powerful things you can do to keep them safe and healthy. To any transgender American who's struggling, please know that you're not alone. To parents and children alike, please ask for help and know this, you're so brave, you belong, and we have your back. Excuse me, uh, Joe, did, did you say you are made in the image of God and deserving of dignity and respect? R- really, Joe, made in the image of God? You are made in the image of God and deserving of dignity, respect, and support. You probably won't be surprised knowing I'm a Christian, that I don't think God had any plan in his creations for spontaneous, peer pressure-driven, socially contagious transgenderism. Thus, I find this, like so many of Joe Biden's statements, ungodly. Yes, every human being is worthy of dignity and respect. Every human being is. Every one of us is worthy of dignity and respect. But there's very little that's normal about a 13-year-old deciding to undergo transgender reassignment procedures or start puberty blocking or hormone therapy replacement. Like fighting crime in New York City, when Mayor Rudy Giuliani started out with his broken window practice of fighting crime, we must start with the little things that lead to bigger problems down the road. This is actually what Florida's parental rights and education law is set to do. It operates on the broken window theory. If you pay attention to who's breaking neighborhood windows, and correct this problem, these petty crimes don't later turn into felonies. Now recently, reporters who have just become aware of this new educational mandate, that they have confronted Phil Murphy, the governor of New Jersey, with whether he supports this new directive. (laughs) As a politician, he says he's open to hearing objections to it. Would someone ask him if, as a father, He's in favor of it. But then why would we expect a truthful or straight answer from Phil Murphy? Last week, I spoke to my concern about these sorts of lesson plans popping up in any one of the 1,900 private independent schools in America. Last week's Frankly Daniel show, I focused on a national conference topic presented at their national conference in 2020 that spoke to introducing subjects of gender identity and sexual orientation beginning in pre-kindergarten. Pre-kindergarten, not kindergarten, and progressing through fifth grade. Now here's a sample of the opening to one of these workshops. 
with the younger children starting in pre-K, we talk about their bodies, about the parts that they were born with, um, about penises and vaginas and whether that makes somebody a boy or a girl, but also their feelings. What do they feel like inside? Do they feel like a boy or a girl? What does their head say? Does their head and their heart and their body match up? Can you see kids running to the restrooms at recess to check on their body parts and questioning, does this body part belong to who I am? Now, I've, I've heard back from people that listened to last week's show saying their children have experienced talks like this going on in their children's classrooms. Well, likewise, I've heard from parents in complete disbelief. The following is an audio clip from Mr. Ray Schuyler. He's a first-grade teacher at Brooke Rosendale School in Boston, which happens to be a private independent school. Mr. Schuyler told four- and five-year-olds that he's transgender. Mr. Schuyler presented his sexual identity to the children on an identity-share Zoom call consisting of kindergartners, first-graders, and second-graders. Now, Sarah Hammond, the school's assistant principal, opened the floor to Mr. Schuyler for his I am statement, telling the children, Remember, your job during the identity share is to be listening really carefully so that you can learn something new, something new about Mr. Schuyler. And something something cool about me, Miss Hammond? All right. All right. So something that's really cool and unique about who I am is that I am transgender. So we touched a little bit about that at the beginning of this week uh, in the book that Miss Hammond read. But I'm going to give you my explanation about what it means to be transgender as well. So when babies are born, the doctor looks at them and they make a guess about whether the baby is a boy or a girl based on what they look like. And most of the time, that guess is 100% correct. There are no issues whatsoever. Um, and, but sometimes the doctor is wrong. The doctor makes an incorrect guess. Um, when the doctor makes a correct guess, that's when a person is called cisgender. When a doctor's guess is wrong, that's when they are transgender. So I'm a man, but when I was a baby, the doctors told my parents I was a girl. And so my parents gave me a name that girls typically have and bought me clothes that girls typically wear. Um, and until I was 18 years old, everyone thought I was a girl. And this was super, super uncomfortable for me because I knew that wasn't right. Um, the way I like to describe it is like wearing a super itchy sweater. Um, the longer you wear it, the itchier it gets. And the only way to make the itching stop is to have everyone see and know the person that you really are. So when I was 18, I told my family and my friends that I'm really a boy, and it was like this huge weight had been lifted off of my shoulders, and I had the freedom to be who I truly am. And even though this experience is super challenging sometimes, um, I am su it made me the person I am, and I'm super proud to be transgender. Now, I, I wonder how many children went home that, that afternoon to question their parents about whether the doctor got their gender wrong. In a, in a Facebook post, Mr. Schuyler writes about laws like the Parental Rights and Education Law recently passed in Florida, saying, quote, Whenever there are bills introduced targeting trans youth, we always hear the argument that these laws are protecting their peers and preventing confusion. End quote. Targeting trans youths? 
And the Florida law doesn't do that. The Florida law doesn't target straight, gay, transgender, bisexual, or any other combination of gender, sexual orientation, or identity stuff. Now, here's the Florida law as spelled out by a news reporter named Evan Donovan reporting on a local NBC affiliate in Tampa, Florida. Officially entitled Parental Rights in Education, it forces school districts to adopt procedures that, quote, reinforce the fundamental right of parents to make decisions regarding the upbringing and control of their children. That includes making school districts notify parents if there are changes to the student's mental, emotional, or physical health or well-being, not encouraging students to withhold information from parents, allowing parents to access their child's student records, letting parents refuse any health care services offered by the school, and getting parental permission before administering any health screening or well-being questionnaire. The bill also forces schools to respond to parent concerns within a week and resolve those issues within a month. If the school can't or won't, parents can escalate those concerns to the state for a resolution or they can sue. The bill sponsor says a single mom he met a few months ago proves why that part is necessary. At dinner, I noticed a waitress that, that was, was very upset, you could tell. So I asked her what was going on and she told me about her fourth grade daughter that was being bullied at school. And she told me about how she couldn't get a call back. She couldn't understand why they weren't doing something. She didn't have time to keep chasing and chasing to get a meeting. And so within one text message, I connected her with the principal directly. Not every parent is going to have the ability to have a politician build a bridge between the parent and the school district. It's this part of the bill that critics say targeted the LGBTQ community, leading to that don't say gay nickname. The text says classroom instruction by school personnel or third parties on sexual orientation or gender identity may not occur in kindergarten through grade three or in a manner that is not age appropriate or developmentally appropriate for students in accordance with state standards. Now, I split this report by Mr. Donovan into two parts. Here's the second part which is a partial response by the Florida House and Senate delegates who are opposed to the parental rights law. Are there sections in Florida statute that restrict conversations about life and death? No. Are there sections of Florida statute that restrict sensitive topics like abortion? No. So it's just us. Now, I might point out that it's the radical progressive teachers unions and woke school boards in heavily liberal Democrat districts in Florida who are pushing critical race theory tenants as disguised as social emotional learning and gender identity and sexual orientation. If the teachers unions and woke school boards begin politicizing abortion rights to pre-kindergartners and first and second graders in Florida, I'm sure the legislature well, uh, uh, look at that and take it up come next session. And, and by the way, the Florida legislature has just passed a no abortion after 15 weeks gestational bill, and the governor, Ron DeSantis, has signed this into law. Now, back to Mr. Evan Donovan, the local NBC reporter. Mr. Donovan isn't exactly an objective or neutral reporter when it comes to reporting about the parental rights in education law here in Florida. Here's a clip of Mr. Donovan 
confronting Governor Ron DeSantis with a question about the don't say gay law. Does it say that in the bill? Does it say that in the bill? I'm asking you to tell me what's in the bill because you are pushing false narratives. It doesn't matter what critics say. It says it bans classroom instruction on sexual identity and gender orientation. For who? For, for, for grades pre-K through three. So five-year-olds, six-year-olds, seven-year-olds. And um, the idea that you wouldn't be honest about that and tell people what it actually says, it's why people don't trust people like you because you peddle false narratives. And so we disabuse you of those narratives. And we're going to make sure that parents are able to send their kid to kindergarten without having some of this stuff injected into their school curriculum. Have you ever heard North Carolina's Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson speak on this subject of transgenderism? Now, if you haven't, sit down and hold on. Here's something else I'm not supposed to say. Ain't but two genders. Two genders. Ain't nothing but men and women. You can go to the doctor and get cut up. You can go down to the dress shop and get made up. You can go down there and get drugged up. But at the end of the day, you were just a drugged up, dressed up, made up, cut up, man or woman. You ain't changed what God put in you, that DNA. You can't transcend God's creation. I don't care how hard you try. The transgender movement in this country, if there's a movement in this country that is demonic, and that is full of anti the spirit of Antichrist. It is the transgender movement. It's time for grown-ups and time for Christians to start standing up and being unafraid to tell the truth. Come after me if you want to. I don't care. You want my head? Here it is right here. Come on, come get it. I don't care because it's time for us to stand up. And I'm not afraid to stand up and tell the truth about that issue. They're dragging our kids down into the pit of hell. Trying to teach them that mess in our schools. Tell you like this, that ain't got no place at no school. Two plus two don't equal transgender. It equals four. You need to get back to teaching them how to read instead of teaching them how to go to hell. Yeah, I said it and I mean it. Well, it's about time to hear from Kamala or Kamala or Vice President Harris. It is time for us to do what we have been doing and that time is every day. Every day it is time for us to take a break, a very short break, and then it's time to come right back because every day it's time to come back and hear the rest of the story. And do I have a lot of important information? You'll be happy you made the time to come back and hear. So hit the head, hit the fridge, and hurry right back. You know you're loved here on the Frankly Daniels Show, and I'm not kidding. You've been in that situation. The person next to you is sniffling, or worse yet, <clears throat> coughing. Flu, cold, and coronaviruses are everywhere. Wouldn't it be great if you had a way to reduce these threats with an invisible mask as an additional layer of protection? Sold by hundreds of pharmacists and medical doctors, our American-made povidone iodine antiviral nasal spray, Cofix RX, lasts for hours deactivating viruses and germs while protecting you from airborne pathogens that make us sick. America Out Loud listeners get 20% off. 
Use Cofix RX while in large groups, while traveling, or for any other type of high-risk situation as an additional layer of protection to help reduce your likelihood of catching a cold, the flu, or SARS-CoV-2 viruses. Right now, America Out Loud listeners get 20% off of all orders. Click our banner ad on AmericaOutloud.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Let the silent voices be heard. It was the rallying call that started it all. It's a wide spectrum of programming, from world and political news to societal and cultural stories. Six amazing years of news blogs, informative podcasts, and great talk radio. Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio. In today's world, there's no escaping the headlines filled with warnings about emerging viruses and dangerous superbugs. Genesis is the only technology that safely and effectively obliterates harmful pathogens both on the air and on surfaces. Genesis plus HOCL neutralize these threats to your environment in just seconds. Find out more about this amazing technology at genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a 15% discount. With Genesis, you'll be prepared for what's next. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Frankly Daniels Show. Just before the break, we, we heard from North Carolina's Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson speaking on... You can go to the doctor and get cut up. You can go down to the dress shop and get made up. You can go down there and get drugged up. But at the end of the day, you were just a drugged up, dressed up, made up, cut up, man or woman. You ain't changed what God put in you, that DNA. You can't transcend God's creation. I don't care how hard you try. The transgender movement in this country, if there's a movement in this country that is demonic and that is full of the spirit of Antichrist, it is the transgender movement. Don't you just love that voice? We know that everything in life isn't this black or white. However, as for a starting point, I subscribe to Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson's viewpoint every time as the best starting point. In other words, why not start with his assumption and then make individual exceptions from there? Instead of starting from an ideology that says everyone's a potential non-binary, gender-fluid, genderqueer, transgender, bisexual, lesbian, or gay person. Really already. Here's some trivia 101 for your file. Biden in Delaware. Just want to catch up on this. His fraudulency has been held up in Delaware, under his bed most likely, for 112 days since becoming president of the United States 450 days ago. In other words, Joe has spent 25% or one quarter of his presidency, or somebody else's presidency actually, in Delaware, mostly on the weekends. What's, what's that about? Well, let me share with you how Disney's been faring since they announced their new wokeness. The Trevelga Group conducted a survey in April of this year of over 1,100 respondents to this first question. News reports reveal Disney is focusing on creating content to expose young children to sexual ideas. Does this make you more or less likely to do business with Disney. Here's the results. The overall results 
68% were less likely, 9% more likely. The Democrats, 48% less likely, 14% more likely. Republicans only, 85% less likely, 4% more likely. No party affiliation, 72% less likely, 9% more likely. Here's our second question. How likely are you to support family-friendly alternatives to Disney? Overall, 69% likely, 31% unlikely. Democrats only, 10 points lower, 59% likely, 14% unlikely. Republicans only, as you'd imagine, 10% higher, or 10 points higher, 78% likely to find alternatives, 22% unlikely. And no party affiliation, 71% likely, 28% unlikely. Overall, this isn't good news for Disney, and they have been massively bleeding membership, Disney memberships, and subscriptions to their uh, uh, cable channels. I do wish to get back to the gender and sexual orientation indoctrination of our very young. But before launching back into this, I'd like just to take a few more minutes to comment on one other uh, very recent and very important survey result. That would be the new Quinnipiac University poll just out April 13th. Here's the first question. Do you approve or disapprove of the way Joe Biden is handling his job as president? 33% of Americans approve, 54% disapprove, 13% not offering an opinion. 33% of Americans approve. I'd like to know who in tarnation the 33% who approve of Joe Biden's handling of his alleged job as president of these supposedly United States. Who are these people? Are they monks cloistered in monasteries? Are they religious nuns who are sheltered from all outside news in convents? Had they taken vows never to speak poorly of apparent frauds like Joe Robinette Biden Jr.? Aren't these respondents from mental institutions or under heavy sedation and psychoactive pharmaceuticals that may cause them to hallucinate responding to survey questions like this? In short, who in tarnation are these holdouts? My guess is that these are the same folks who have passed away years ago but show up to vote for Democrats every election cycle. These are most likely the same dearly departed people the Department of Justice claims Republicans are attempting through legal legislation to suppress from voting. Suppress, you say? Yes, suppress because Republican secretaries of state keep expunging these deceased citizens from their voter rolls. But how in the tarnation or if you prefer in the Sam Hill, can one be so totally oblivious to his fraudulency's many accomplishments and not be troubled? The massive invasions of illegal aliens, inflation at historic highs, a pending recession, the debacle that is Afghanistan, a pathetic initial response to Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine. Uh, Yes, I said pathetic. The Quinnipiac... April 13th poll reports that only 39% of Americans, just under 40%, 39% of Americans approve of President Joe Biden's handling of the response to Russia's invasion of Ukraine, while 48% disapprove, 
and his fraudulency claims he's the leader of the free world and that he's been the lead dog in bringing NATO together to resist Russia's mass murder of Ukrainians. For those new to the acronym, uh, NATO stands for the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. But back to the shocker, in this survey that reported only 33% of Americans approve of Joe Biden's job performance as president. Yeah, yes, uh, only 33% approval. As, as I've said, the shocker isn't that his performance approval rating is as low as 33%. The shocker is that it isn't lower. But to the core question, who the heck comprises the 33%? And, and for the record, Quinnipiac is a very left-of-center polling organization. So if they're reporting 33%, the true approval is unquestionably lower. But even if it's 25%, you have to ask, who are those ardent supporters of Joe Biden? Perhaps the crosstabs will help us understand. Here's the breakdown by race. 31% of whites approve of Joe Biden. 63% of blacks, however, approve of Joe Biden. Here's the crusher. Hispanics are at 26% approval. Five points lower than whites. Here's the breakdown by party affiliation. 76% of Democrats support Joe and think he's doing a great job. Independents, 26%. Another big swing. And Republicans, guess what the Republicans' approval is? 3%. I'm not even sure you could measure that. So that's beginning to clear things up. It's blacks and Democrats who are holding on to a fantasy. Let's go a little deeper. Do you approve or disapprove of the way Joe Biden is handling his job as president, broken down by age group? So those 18 to 34, 21% of young people support Joe. That's even lower than the 33% overall. 35 to 49, 36%. 50 to 64, 35%. And 65 and older, at 48 percent. So it's so it's Democrats, blacks and old folks who like Joe. Now, as I mentioned uh, for this second question, Quinnipiac asked respondents, do you approve or disapprove of the way Joe Biden is handling the response to Russia's invasion of Ukraine? The numbers and breakdown by party, race and age are nearly identical to the responses for do you approve or disapprove of the way Joe's handling his job as president? Now, in case you're wondering, the responses from other contemporaneous surveys have Kamala Harris in the same deep sinkhole. Now, I found one other question in the Quinnipiac survey of particular interest. The Democrats are trying to portray Joe Biden as the president who calls it like he sees it and doesn't mince words. Quinnipiac asked respondents, do you think Russian President Vladimir Putin is a war criminal or not. In total, 82% believe he is a war criminal. The GOP, 81%. Democrats, 91%. Independents, 79%. Men, 77%. Here's an interesting result. 10 points higher than men, women at 87%. Those with at least four years of college, 92%. Those with no college, 84%. How about a piece of election trivia? In 1960, the state of New York had a total of 
45 electoral votes for president. In other words, they had two senators and 43 seats in Congress. That's almost 10% of Congress. By 2022, they had only 28 electoral votes or two senators and 26 seats in the House of Representatives. So the question is, where did New York's population go? I mean, that's how the House's number of seats given to a state is determined is by your population, the state population. Now, here's a hint. In 1960, Florida had 10 electoral votes, two senators and eight members of the House of Representatives. Today, Florida has 30 electoral votes. Now, all I ask is that if you're a progressive liberal and you plan on moving to Florida, for heaven's sakes, please leave your crazy politics in New York or Chicago or Massachusetts. For, as I said, heaven's sake, don't, don't bring them down here. It, it's just not going to work. Now, as I mentioned in the first part of the show, I'd like to share with you another lesson plan on sex anatomy and physiology for second graders as designed by the Advocates for Youth Company. Now, let me first alert you that I believe this is adult material, or at least uh, past your uh, early teens. And if you have small ones around uh, within listening range, please, please take care of their sensitive ears. This lesson plan is entitled Understanding Our Bodies, a lesson plan from Rights, Respect, and Responsibility, a K-12 through curriculum, fostering respect and responsibility through age-appropriate sexuality education. Now, here's the note on language they put out. Quote, you will notice that this lesson refers to girls and boys when identifying body parts. The use of a binary construct of gender as well as using gender, boys and girls, rather than the more accurate biological sex, male and female, is purposeful given the developmental stage of students. I'm not sure I completely understood that, but I'm sure if I thought about it long enough. Uh, Lessons in higher grades use more precise language and begin to introduce a broader concept of gender. When you hear this lesson plan, you're going to scratch your head about, about that statement. This lesson does, however, acknowledge that there are some body parts that mostly just girls have and some body parts that mostly just boys have. Aren't you curious what they're going to get into? Being a boy or a girl doesn't have to mean that you have those parts. But for most people, this is, this is how their bodies are. I mean, for, you know, just the common everyday kind of person has, has these body parts. And most people have a vulva and a vagina or a penis and testicles but some some bodies can be different your body is exactly what is right for you boy i'm I'm taking comfort in that Uh, learning objectives by the end of this lesson students will be able to correctly identify at least four body parts of the female genitalia correctly identify at least four body parts of the male genitals Describe why it is important for them to know the correct names for these genitals. But before we go any further, I I want to share with you why I'm sharing this information raw right out of the lesson plan with you today. I am not a sensationalist. But if I don't take the time to inform you of what your children may be confronted with in school and soon, then who will? You're not going to run into this stuff. 
Will the schools open their curriculum to parents? No. Most of the schools and woke school districts where these lessons are being pushed on children are in litigation with parents suing the district for the right to even see the curriculum, much less have the right to comment or protest about it. Furthermore, just because I find this material inappropriate, I pass no judgment on anyone's motives if they think this is all just fine. There are parents who don't consider themselves progressive, radical, Democrats, or woke. They just believe in today's 21st century world that you can't protect children from these issues, so you may as well teach them in school in a controlled environment. I just happen to believe these lessons are not age-appropriate, regardless of, of what kids can find on the Internet. Now, once kids get to the fifth and probably more appropriately the sixth grade, then it's time for biology, okay? But, but back to the lesson plan. Step one, introduce the topic by saying, Today we're going to talk about bodies, including parts that everyone has in common. Parts that we have that are different and parts that are usually covered when we are in public. Covered meaning clothing, of course. Explain that it is also important that everyone with a body knows their body and how it works and how to take care of it so that we could all be healthy. I, personally, I never realized that knowing this stuff in this lesson plan was necessary to remain healthy uh, in the second grade. And so I've obviously missed something. And, and I don't know how I made it all the way to 73 years without learning this information in the second grade. But, but then again, I, I went to parochial school, and believe me, the nuns weren't into teaching second graders about uh, these subjects at that particular age. But back to the lesson plan. The next step, direct students' attention to the PowerPoint where you have displayed the male body and female body with the bathing suit diagram. Explain that during the summer, when some people go swimming, people generally wear bathing suits to cover their genitals. Sounds like a novel idea. Explain that when we wash our bodies or go to the doctor for a checkup, it's important to know what our body parts are and how to keep them healthy. Advance to the next slide. Point out and explain the following. Most girls have vulva, which is the name for the area between the legs. Now, now can't you hear a seven-year-old boy teasing girls that, I can see your vulva. Seven-year-old boys certainly are years away from maturity and proper manners. Back to the plan. The vulva describes the whole area, including the small hole where urine or pee comes out and that opening is called the urethra. The hole below that, which is a little bigger, is called the vagina. That is used when a female has a baby. And the hole below that, where a bowel movement or poop comes out, is called the anus. Not to be mixed up with the planet Uranus. Uh, uh, scratch that last sentence. I couldn't help myself. Uh, you can see that there's a still a small part of a seven-year-old smart aleck boy on me. Back to the lesson plan. So a person with a vulva has three holes between their legs and a very sensitive little area at the top called the clitoris. Often girls wear a bathing suit so that it covers their nipples on their chest. Their chest will develop into breasts when they get older and go through puberty. 
Breasts and nipples can be how mothers feed milk to their babies. Both people and animals that are called mammals can feed their babies this way. The next step, display the third slide and tell the class that you need their help to review the names of these body parts. Ask for six volunteers and one at a time, give each volunteer one of the six post-it note labels, clitoris, urethra, vulva, vagina, anus, and nipples. For each one, read the name on the post-it note out loud and then have them, the volunteers, place the label on the diagram next to the body part that corresponds with their post-it note. Tell students they can ask for help from the class. Gently correct any mistakes and review the function of each part again as it's labeled by the student. Continue having volunteers label each part until all six labels are correctly on the diagram. The next step, advance to the fourth slide and explain the following. Most boys have a penis and a scrotum between their legs. The penis has a hole in it called a urethra, just like on the girl, where urine and pee comes out. The scrotum is behind the penis, and its job is to hold two round organs called testicles. The testicles are important for when a boy grows up and goes through puberty. A boy also has a hole where a bowel movement or poop leaves the body called an anus, just like a girl. Now, boys have nipples on their chest, but they usually do not cover their nipples or chest when they're wearing a bathing suit. Now, even though both boys and girls have nipples, a boy's chest does not grow into breasts when he goes through puberty. Ask for six new volunteers, and one at a time give each volunteer one of the six post-it notes labeled penis, urethra, scrotum, testicles, anus, and nipples. For each one, read the name on the post-it note out loud and then have a volunteer place the label on the diagram next to the body part that corresponds with it. Well, I'll stop there. I think that you understand this plan. Let me give you just a few more descriptors just about some of the male organs that are included in this lesson plan. Penis. The penis is made up of nerves, blood vessels, fibrous tissues, and three parallel cylinders of spongy tissue. It does not have any bones in it, but when people talk about an erection as a boner, they're mistaken. It's normal for a penis to curve slightly to one side or the other, especially when erect. Scrotum. The scrotum is a thin-walled, soft pouch of tissue that hangs behind and below the penis. It contains the testes, or testicles, which are the male sex glands. The scrotum's primary function is to maintain the testes at a temperature at which the testes most efficiently and effectively produce sperm. The testicles. The male sex glands, the two testes located within the scrotum, produce sperm and testosterone. One usually hangs slightly lower than the other. They hang outside the body because sperm need to be produced at a temperature that's usually 5 to 6 degrees below the body temperature. In short, I think this is marvelous material for 5th or 6th graders. But I'll stop here with this plan. That should be enough to alert you of what progressives think uh, that progressiveness is all about in the classroom. Our children are assaulted with so much sex and gender messaging every day that when I began to look around, I was overwhelmed with what I could find on the web. Take, for instance, a website entitled amaze.org. Look it up for yourself. Once again, the website is amaze, A-M-A-Z-E dot org, O-R-G. 
It's a cartoon, a website that has short cartoon lessons on topics like gender and sex and a host of other sexually related material. Now, there's no parental permission required, so any child who can type into a search engine like Google, they can find amaze.org. Here's a short clip from their site called Puberty and Transgender Youth. Hi, Fish. Come here. Oh, you need a name. Let's see. Wait a second. What gender are you? A person who is transgender is someone whose internal sense of their gender, being a boy, girl, or something else, doesn't match their physical body. People who feel this way sometimes feel anxious when they begin to reach puberty and their body starts to change in ways that don't match their internal sense of their gender. These feelings are totally normal. If you feel you want more time to explore how you feel about your gender before your body starts to change, it's important to talk with a parent, counselor, therapist, or doctor about the feelings you have regarding your gender. After some discussion and counseling, you may be referred to an endocrinologist. Endocrinologists specialize in hormones, and they are the most likely to prescribe puberty blockers for someone who wants them. Puberty blockers are medications that will stop your body from changing. They are usually given as an injection or an implant. They block the production of hormones to stop or delay the physical changes of puberty. The effects of the medication are only temporary, so if a person stops using puberty blockers, the physical changes of puberty will begin again. Whether you identify as male, female, genderqueer, or something else, you're perfectly normal. And there are lots of ways to manage puberty so that it can be a fun, exciting time rather than a scary or stressful one. Okay, maybe you need more time to get to know yourself first. I'll just call you Bubbles for now. Till next time, don't forget to visit me at amaze.org or go to my YouTube channel to watch more. Bye! I had issues with this particular message on puberty and transgenderism. Now, I don't have time left in the show to go into all my complaints, but in particular, when it says endocrinologists are people most likely to prescribe puberty blockers for someone who wants them, I'm telling you, kids as young as 12 and 13 are walking into Planned Parenthood offices and walking out with scripts for puberty blockers and or cross-sex hormones without parents knowing a darn thing about it. So I suggest go ahead and check out this website, amaze.org. Overall, the website has done very well, but it's totally synced with progressive education, and I think it's dangerous unless a parent is watching these videos with their children. In closing, I believe the best place to address what progressives are attempting to persuade our children to participate in is best addressed locally. Stand up at your local school board meetings, call your state house and senate representatives, and demand they address these issues at the state level as well as locally. And if you don't get heard or you're told you don't know what you're talking about, then you have a golden opportunity to vote them out this November in your state elections. Here in Florida, we've elected conservatives to our state house and senate. We've also been Extremely fortunate that enough Republicans and conservatives turned out and voted in a Republican governor, a Republican lieutenant governor, and a Republican state's attorney general. It all starts there. Because we prevailed in these recent elections, we've found these elective officials very attentive to issues we as parents care deeply about. But this works only until the next election, and if we don't show up to vote... Life can become a disaster overnight. 
And if you don't believe it, just look at what Joe Biden and the Democrats who pull his puppet strings have done to America in 15 torturous months. If we vote and vote in numbers, we are in control. I sincerely thank you for sharing your time with me today. God bless you all. And please believe that our government is only as good as the people we decide to elect. I'm Daniel Francis Baranowski, and you've been listening to The Frankly Daniel Show. Thank you.